guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Are there any campers in the room? Anybody love camping? Wow, a bunch of you. Super into camping. I'll tell you, I used to be into camping. Uh, Then I got old, and my joints said, we can't do this anymore. And uh, yes, I know. I know. I'm not proud of it. Um, I used to like, we did like backpacking in the, yeah, in the snow. I don't remember what it was called. The Klondike Derby. That's what it was called. We would like pull a sled. I was a Boy Scout. It was real cool. Um, I had this giant backpack with like metal frame that you like tie around your waist. I like really, I did it. We went hard. Um, Now I just sleeping on like a carpeted floor. I know it's going to be difficult. So to sleep on the literal ground, I'm just not interested anymore. Um, I have a hammock, which I assume would make things better, but I haven't gone camping since I've had a hammock. Um, one time, I think I've told some of you this story. We decided, me and my friends at college, we had we a bunch of us had hammocks, and we were like, all right, so we're going to spend the night uh, in the park behind campus. And so we went up, we put our, uh, put our hammocks up. It was still like it was like. It wasn't like summertime, but it was late enough that I don't think we could like see very well. But um, we were laying in our hammocks, and I would fall asleep because it was very comfortable and wonderful. And about 2 a.m., I was awoke from, by the sound of, should we tell him or should we just go? I was like, guys, what? <laughs> they were about to abandon me because I was the only one to bring a blanket for under me so that the wind wouldn't make me cold, and it woke them up. And so we all went back to the apartment and slept in our beds. <laughs> I didn't have to, but I was like, I'm not sleeping out here by myself. That's lame. <laughs> so uh, this is just one of the many, many things that makes me know that I would not survive in Jesus's time, right? There are like several of these things. Um, for instance, I love to eat. Uh, I'm fasting today, so I haven't had any food today. Um, so if I pass out, that's what's happening. <laughs> um, but I just love to eat. And in Jesus's time, they were like struggling to get enough bread. <laughs> like not only did they not have enough food, but it was like, like bread and water. And they were like, this is the best meal. Like I love me some pizza. And they don't think they had invented that yet. Um, I love wasting time on the internet. <laughs> I love Netflix. I love dumb videos. And basically in Jesus's time, if you didn't work all day, you were going to die. <laughs> You had to constantly provide. You had to constantly do something useful. I'm just, I wasn't made for that time. Um, plus, you were basically camping every day. It was like, ba- even if you had a house, it was like almost camping all the time. I was not made for it. Um, I'm sure they had some beds, but I'm sure they were also very rough. And you were also traveling a lot. There was lots of traveling. And like, you only took what you had to, which meant you would sleep on the ground. <laughs> so I'm not into sleeping on the ground, and so I wasn't made for it. On top of that, like I, was, I would do like forest camping. So like at least I learned how to build a shelter. I could build a decent shelter with a tarp and some sticks. But when I do that, guess what? I'm going to get some, some like really light bush branches, some like leaves, or something that isn't full of bugs so that I can lay on a bed of something. These were not forest. This was not forest terrain that Jesus was living in. It was basically like desert and mountains. So like there is no way you can sit without a rock in the back of your neck. There's just no way to avoid it. Um, I was not made for that time. This, this, their landscape was covered with hills and mountains and rocks. And this is why we see mountains showing up 
all over ancient records. We study the Bible. It's what we believe God has dictated through mankind. He has spoken to people to write things down for us to understand more about him. And we have those records. Uh, It's a collection of history books, uh, essentially events that happened throughout 6,000 years or so. Um, And this is just the story of God revealing himself to man, man denying God, God redeeming man, lots of things going on here. And in this record, mountains pop up a lot. Mountains show up a ton in this record. Um, And a lot of times on these mountains, we see God do really cool things. So we're recording God interacting with humanity, and we see him take people to the mountain to do amazing things. So like he would take people to the mountain um, to like reveal something about himself, to like speak to them in a new way, to reveal their purpose, their mission in life, to give them some, some new direction. Like God did amazing things on the mountain. And we've talked about mountains here over the years. We've talked about a lot of mountains. We've talked about the prophet Elijah. And Elijah, um, would, he went to the top of the mountain and spoke to God, and he got his mission in life. And God said, all right, you have been through a lot. This is your next step. And, and we, it was the gentle whisper, right? So we had like an earthquake, we had fire, and God wasn't in any of the chaos. God showed up to Elijah, spoke to Elijah in a gentle whisper. We have Abraham, and God said, all right, Abraham, take your son. I know that your son was a miracle. You almost couldn't have kids, and you took your son. I want you to take him to the top of the mountain, and I want you to sacrifice him on an altar. And Abraham was like, okay, I guess. And so he did that and he took him up to the top of the mountain. And right before he was about to kill his son in obedience to God, God said, whoa, 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 that's not what we're doing here. Um, Abraham had the faith to carry it out because he knew that he was not that God wouldn't take his son. So even if he did kill him, he knew that God would perform a miracle, whatever it took. He had faith that God was going to fulfill his promises. And that happened on the mountain. We talked about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and it's one of my favorites. Um, his mission, his, um, his call to, to bring racial equality to the world, and uh, he said, I might not get there with you. He said, I've, seen the, I've been to the mountaintop. I've seen the promised man, I know, the land. I know what it looks like for, for races to, to walk hand in hand. I might not even live to see it, but that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it for the future. We talked about how what we do impacts other people. We may not even see the fruit. We may not even see it. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on the mountain. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He lays out what a blessed life looks like. What, what, what does it mean? What does it take to live a happy, blessed life? We see Moses and the burning bush. So he gets his mission. So God says to him, all right, I know that you don't speak very well. You don't like, you're not comfortable speaking to big groups, but you will be the group that leads my people out of slavery in Egypt. You are going to be the one to do that. And we said, your moment doesn't end on the mountain. Anyone remember that? Your moment doesn't end on the mountain. So he got his mission on the mountain, and that was a great experience for him. He spoke to God on the mountain. But the real work happened coming down off the mountain. That's when he got to work. That's when he fulfilled the mission that God had given him. We talked about the Mount of Transfiguration. So Jesus brings a couple of his disciples up to the top of a mountain, and they talk to Elijah and Moses, and they're glowing because they're like, they've been dead for thousands of years. <laughs> and so like Jesus is talking to Elijah and Moses, and they're glowing, and the disciples are like, what are we seeing? What's happening here? And it's on the mountain. And they're saying like, all right, Jesus, this is incredible. Can we never leave? <laughs> Can we never leave here? And just like God said to Moses and Elijah, Jesus said, we got to go. 
The, the moment doesn't end on the mountain. We can't stop here. We have to take the glory of God and send it out and, and use what God has put in us to do his work. We've been all over ancient history, some modern history, looking at mountains. Talking about mountaintop experiences. And so tonight we're going to look more about what does a mountaintop experience look like for me? What does it look like for you. So right now, if you don't know, this group is called Apex. This is Apex students. And uh, if you didn't know, Apex is another word for the top of a mountain, the peak of a mountain, the summit. Um, and we get our name from these mountaintop experiences that God has given people. We, this is where God intersects with humanity so often on the top of a mountain. And we call them Apex Moments. When someone meets God on the mountain, they have this experience, whether, again, whether it's revealing a mission or God just revealing more of himself, it happens on the mountain. We call it an apex moment. And that's what we want for people in this room. That's why we are labeled with that name apex, because we do what we do. We want this group to be marked by people encountering God. Does that make sense? We want people, we want this group to be identified by, a, we want to be a place where you meet with God, where God intersects with humanity. That's what we're all about. We have a good time doing it. We throw cheese balls at people's faces. Uh, we stay up for 12 hours. We do a lot of weird things. Um, but our goal, our purpose is to help people encounter God. That's what we do at our core. We've been Apex students for three years now three years that we've been, that has been like our identity, that we've been called that. And uh, for the past three years, we've started the year talking about mountains, talking about what God does on the mountains. So tonight, get ready for Apex, the message. Uh, do you guys know about Portugal, the man? I saw him show up on like a, <laughs> like on a top, like rock hit of the decade list. And I was like, oh, I guess people still know about him. Do you know who Portugal, the man is? Guess what? Next year, this is not what this is going to be called, because this is the whole reason. Um, it's Portugal the man. He's like a musician. So this is Apex the message. If no one gets it, whatever. So tonight, we're talking about a very important aspect of Apex moments, an important aspect of the mountaintop experiences that I think can get confusing. And it can happen accidentally, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about um, how important it is that we understand that the focus is not on the mountain. The, just like we talked about a little bit there where the moment doesn't end on the mountain, but, but the focus is not on the moment either. It's true that God does amazing things for us on the mountain. It's true that he reveals um, our mission oftentimes on the mountain. He provides us with uh, he prov provision. He, he teaches us about himself. He tests us on the mountain. But we have to be intentional about not putting too much emphasis on the mountain, on the moment, on ourselves. That can be very tempting. It just happens accidentally where I'm seeking a moment with God. And then I look at that sentence and see that I'm seeking a moment. And that's not what the, the mountain is all about. That's not what God wants us to do. The focus always needs to be on the giver of the moment, on the God of the mountain. So we've called this group Apex Students not because the moment is our focus, but because this is the place where you can have the moment, where you can encounter the God of the mountain. We're creating an atmosphere that is mountain-like. That's our goal. It's to help you get closer to the God of the mountain and get your Apex moment with the God of the mountain. So if you seek the moment yourself, the seek the moment, seek the experience, you're missing it. You're, you're seeking the wrong thing. So we're talking about seeking the giver of the apex moment, seeking God. So we're going to work together to keep the focus off of ourselves, off of the mountain, 
and onto the God who meets us on the mountain. So to do that, we're looking at a uh, mountaintop experience in history, and that makes it, this makes it super clear what the mountain is all about. So if you can turn to, if you have your Bible on your app or whatever you have, 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings 18 is where we're going to be. It'll be on the screens if you don't. Um, 1 Kings 18. I'm just going to warn you, we're going to be in a lot of scripture tonight. I hope that's okay. I want to encourage you to stay tuned in. So don't like when I'm reading things, don't like get distracted. Make sure you're, you're tuned in with me. Read with me so that we can process this stuff together. Uh, there's a really important point we're trying to make. And this is that point. The mountain is not about me. The mountain is not about me. Maybe I'm going to get my purpose. Maybe I'm going to get my vision and mission. But the moment, the mountain is not about me. It's about taking what God has done in me to other people. It's about me encountering the God of the universe. The mountain is not about me. So we're going to talk about a mountain we've talked about before, and um, it's a prophet. This prophet's named Elijah. We mentioned him in the gentle whisper. We're talking about a different time in his life, a little bit before he goes to God and says, hey, what am I supposed to do? Uh, before that, um, Let's back up super far because this is some history stuff. God has this chosen people. So God created mankind and mankind said, we can do this without you. And God, brokenhearted, said, okay, try. And we did and we mess it up and we get pain, we get hurt. We still experience this today when we try to do things without God. So this is how it happened at the very beginning. And God said, okay, I'm going to reveal myself back to humanity through a man named Abraham. And Abraham, Father Abraham, if you will, he had many sons. I am one of them and so are you. And um, he, he was the, the, the beginning of this nation of Israel. It was God's chosen people. This is the people that God said, I'm going to reveal myself back to humanity through this people. Those were the Israelites. So you may have read about the Israelites um, and their kings. Right? So you may have heard of King Saul, King David, King Solomon. There's a bunch of them. Those are some of the popular ones, the ones that like ended on a better note. Um, and we read about these kings of Israel in the Bible. We also read about these kings in Israel all over like other historical writings. I think it's very interesting to remember that our Bible is not the only record we have of that time. Right? We also have other people at the time that were also recording events and have the same events recorded. Like people that wish Jesus like they were not cool with Jesus and they were like, he should not be doing this. We hate him. We're still saying he walked on water. We're still saying he's doing these amazing things and we don't understand how. We have these records that show us that our Bible is trustworthy. That's just a side note. So we have these kings of Israel. For instance, Saul, David, Solomon. In the original plan, God said, I, I don't want you to do that. <laughs> I don't want you to have kings because I want you to look to me. God said like, you are my people. You don't need a king. You don't need a person in a chair with a, a hat on. You look to me for guidance. You look to me for decisions, and I'll take care of it. But the Israelites were like, no thanks. Our neighboring nations have kings. We want to do that. They're like, they're prospering. Things are great for them. Let us try it. We want to do what we want to do. So God said, just like he has over and over again and does to us, he says, all right, give it a shot. And um, because of that, go figure, God was right, and it was horrible. And so the problem with having a human in charge of these people, we see that in modern history, is that humans can turn their back on God. Humans can make decisions that aren't godly, and when they do that, they're taking the whole nation with them. They're taking the whole nation in a certain direction. And God said, I don't want that for you. But the Israelites said, we want that for us. And they tried it, and it meant chaos. It meant division. It meant war. It meant they were conquered. It meant they were pillaged. It meant they were scattered. There's this one particular king. 
His name was Ahab, and he ruled Israel from like the 1850s to the 1870s BC. And the problem, again, with a man ruling God's people is that when he makes a decision that's against God, he's taking the whole nation with him. Ahab did that. His wife Jezebel as well did that. They served false gods, um, this particular one named Baal. And so they had prophets for Baal. They had altars for Baal. They made sacrifices to this false god. And God's up there like, this is what I told you would happen. Why do you got to be like that? And so we see this whole thing play out. And um, Jezebel was like, not a fan of the prophets of the Lord. And so she was like, Ahab, honey, can we do something about these these?" these prophets that are doing a different thing than we want to do. Because we want the prophets of Baal. We want to serve Baal. And there's these prophets of the Lord or whatever that are doing something else and we want rid of them. So they killed them all. They killed all of them. Except there was one left. His name was Elijah. And I think this is so cool because Elijah, knowing he's the one prophet left, he knows it all. He knows that Ahab is in like Jezebel's pocket, um, making these decisions for Baal, killing prophets, and Elijah walks right up to Ahab's door. Like, what a baller move. He walks right up to the door, and he says, all right, what are we going to do about this? And he challenges him to a duel of the prophets. And so Elijah says, all right, I'm, I, me and the, like you and your bunch of prophets can talk to Baal or whatever, and me and the real God are going to go head to head. So that's what happens here. Um, it is a, a bunch of Baal prophets and Baal versus Elijah and the real God. And we have this whole plan laid out in 1 Kings 18 22. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Now bring two bulls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood of their altar, but without setting fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood on the altar, but not set fire to it. Then call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God. And all the people agreed. Ahab's like, yes, this is it. We're going to have a duel. He's going to look stupid. It's going to be over. So he, uh, Elijah says, all right, you've got 450 prophets and your false god versus the Lord and me. We'll set up a sacrifice, a slaughtered bull on the fire pit. We're not going to set it on fire yet. Everything but light it. We're going to do everything but light the fire. You call on your god. I'll call on the real god. And then we will see which, which sacrifice is set ablaze. So Elijah, very classy, lets the prophets of Baal go first. Again, baller move. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, O Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced, hobbling around the altar they had made. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. You'll have to shout louder, he scoffed. For surely he is a god. Perhaps he's daydreaming or is relieving himself, or maybe he's away on a trip or is asleep and needs to be awakened. So Elijah is roasting these prophets and their god. And if you're going to be this cocky, you better be right. And uh, maybe we should go back for a second. Relieving himself? I think you know what that means. I know Joy does. I know she did some research on this. You know what that means. Like, Elijah could have said, like, was he pooping? Where's he at? Is he out there in the bathroom? That's what he's saying. It's in the Bible, people. Um, So here's what the prophets, this is when they get, the prophets of Baal get desperate. 
And this is when their worship becomes twisted uh, and graphic. So they shouted louder, and following their normal custom, they cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. They raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice, but still, there was no sound, no reply, no response. They're doing this all day. They tried everything they know how to do. They tried to worship their God in every way possible, and yet Baal doesn't answer. Then Elijah called the people, come over here, come over here. They all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces, and laid the pieces on the wood. Then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. After they had done this, he said, do the same thing again. And when they had finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did as he said, and the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. Now, anyone in the crowd that was like maybe secretly rooting for Elijah is like, is he crazy? <laughs> is, you know, you're trying to set fire to this thing, right? And he's pouring water on it. Another really interesting piece of history is that they're in a drought at this time. So not only is he like setting himself up to lose this challenge, this battle of the gods, he is also taking their most valuable resource and dumping it on the ground, which sounds counterintuitive. And that's what like we could spin into a whole giving thing here. <laughs> like giving to God is, is counterintuitive. That's just how his bank account works. Um, it's all about sacrifice. At the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet waked up to the altar, walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, The Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. And what did we learn? To never bet against God. And I also learned, the mountain is not about me. The mountain is not about me. This duel took place on a mountain, and the mountain was not about Elijah. The mountain was not about what was going to happen for him. This is what I learned. In the apex moment, it's all about God. Elijah's goal here was to make God famous. His goal here was to show the power of God and that nothing else comes even close. To put the focus on God. And that's what happened here. Everyone saw that the mountain is not about me. In the apex moment, you feel small. And that doesn't mean that you don't have value because God has considered you infinitely valuable. But when you get close to God, when you see how big God is, you begin to realize how small you are. When we make it all about God, we realize that what we want doesn't matter so much. What we think is right doesn't matter so much. My pride and ego doesn't matter so much. What matters is making God 
the focus. You realize the mountain is not about me. I love that, that last verse there, 1 Kings uh, 18.39. It says, when all the people saw it, they all fell face down on the ground and cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. We see this all over history. We see this over and over again, where God is put to the test and he wins the test. <laughs> and then the people are le- that, that were on the other side are like, wait. This God is the one with power. This is the God that changes lives. This is the God that heals the broken. This is the God that is right. They fell on their faces. They said, this is the true God. This is the one we need to worship. He is what it's all about. The mountain is not about me. This is the way we need to think about our apex moments. It is not about me. It's not for me. And that should inform how we view this place, how we view this atmosphere, what we do here, how we view Apex, what happens here. It's not about me. It's not about the moment. It's about God. It's about encountering God and God preparing us for what he would do through us so he can transform me, challenge me, speak to me. The mountain is not about me. It's about God moving in me. In a minute, I'm going to pray and dismiss us into our small groups. And when you get to your small group, it's going to look a little bit different tonight. What you're going to do is you're going to be handed a piece of paper and you're going to write a letter to yourself in the future. You're going to write a letter to 2021 you. Uh, it's, this has been a common apex tradition for the new year. The past couple of years we've done this. Um, and if you wrote a letter to yourself last year, you can expect it in the mail this week or next week. In your letter, I want you to set some goals for yourself, some spiritual goals. Um, I don't like resolutions because they just don't last. It's just a thing, so use a different word if you gotta. Um, In your walk with God, what do you want to get done this year? This is something that you can record tonight to read next year, but, but record it in tonight and then record it somewhere else that you can take home with you as well. Record it, some, take a picture on your phone or, or uh, get a note card. I have a bunch of note cards I can get you as well. So write your letter to yourself in the future, but also keep these goals with you so you know what you're working on. What do I have to do to accomplish my spiritual goals for this year? What are you going to do differently this year to get closer to Jesus? I want you to write a letter to yourself in the future. Um, Describe what you want to have accomplished through the year 2020. Um, It's very helpful to start like this. Dear future me. Dear future me. That's a great way to start. You can use the phrase for the goals. um, By now I have done this. By now I have made prayer a part of my daily life. By now I have read the whole New Testament. By now, I have talked to three of my friends about Jesus. By now, I have raised $1,000 for Speed the Light. By now, I have. So just think about your spiritual goals for, 20, for 2020 um, that make it about Him. Because I hope that you're going to have a mountaintop experience tonight, and it's not going to be about you. It's going to be about God moving in you. So your small group leader uh, is going to hand you that paper. They're then going to take them back, fold them up. Um, they're not going to read them, but they're going to take them. You won't. They're going to sit in a drawer for a whole year, and no one is going to read them. You're not going to have to worry about that. Um, 
So just write those goals, make those goals, set those uh, accomplishments. By now, I have. Write that to your future self. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word, how it speaks to us, what we can um, learn about you as we make our lives about you. As we make this place about you, we dedicate Apex to you tonight. We dedicate you, we dedicate this place to you and to what you would do in this room, how you would move in the students here, how, what you would do, whatever it is that you want to do in us. We make ourselves available to that. So God, tonight I pray you're moving and stirring in the hearts of the people in this room for those spiritual goals, the things that maybe they know they needed to work on. They've been hearing your voice for a while and they just need to make an action step. So tonight, give us the strength and the boldness to make those action steps tonight to carry them out as we write these letters. That in a year, we look back and say, I have accomplished my spiritual goals. I am closer to Jesus than I've ever been before. So give us the the strategy and the strength to do that tonight. We love you and we dedicate it to you. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.